Earwig Review, episode 23, I think. Um, so. Okay, that's better. Um, last week's episode, I was not in love with. Um, I couldn't quite figure out, I mean, there was, there were reasons why, but at the end of the day, I think it's not every episode is going to be better than the last, unfortunately. And that's what happens when you make the decision to upload an hour to an hour and a half of yourself talking every week and releasing it on the internet along with all of the videos I've been posting and the regular daily poems that I write as well that I read on this podcast um, so a lot of fun to be had and I'm certainly in no a place where I want to stop or anything of the sort but I think what I'm getting at is I'm it's good to see my that I'm putting myself kind of on the limit of I don't know what more I could be doing and that feels good I feel like I'm um taking it as far as um as far as I can so I'm happy about that and I'll, I will continue to do so um in YouTube land um I put out a an animation this week that I think turned out really well. Um, and it was probably the one of the best ways yet to take basically the, the format of the daily posts, my poems, and turn them into video form in a kind of exciting, fun, and stupid way. Um, so, um, more of that along the way. Um, and then all the other videos, I don't remember actually what I, what else I posted this week. I think one, one more YouTube video and then another one that I'll look at one more time tomorrow and probably post then. So lots of fun to be had. Um, the big deficit, though, the big issue that I think I'm starting to face is that I'm not writing prose um, as often as I was before getting um, onto this whole YouTube kick. And uh, I mean, we'll see. It's not that I haven't been writing i haven't been writing fiction 
So I've been doing my doing my journaling, writing the posts, and then I guess more forms of journaling through the days. I kind of sort through what the videos are going to be, but um, as far as sitting down and writing fiction in depth, there there aren't enough. I haven't found enough hours in the day. So I'm kind of playing with fire a bit there, I think. That said, one thing I was struggling with in the fiction world um, before I took a turn into these YouTube videos is um, I wasn't writing enough plot. I feel like my I was like, aimlessly kind of churning out pages and and I was losing my ability for plot or my ability to practice working on plot but with the YouTube videos and how quickly that I need to kind of uh, make them which is kind of half the fun um, the plotting of it the beginning middle and end of it all has um kind of you're always in that zone so i'm figuring it out going back and forth as usual i mean at the end of the day i have adhd and i think when i ping pong around from different mediums and different activities and whatnot um it's it's how i'm wired it's how i have the most fun and I think what I've done, what I've tried to really do to myself is to think, to be like, you need to focus on one thing only or else um, you're going to be a fuck up or else it's not going to work out. Meaning I won't be able to make enough money off of anything because I'll be spreading myself too thin in too many directions. And I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is it better to try to be something you're, you're not, is that just discipline and is that a good thing? Or should you try to really embrace and go with the grain of who you are and how you like to operate and just take the leap that way? So I think I'll always be going back and forth between those two things and different different ways as I um as I move forward so that was that was helpful actually um to just put it in in that plane of language so that's awesome <laughs> thank you let's get into the posts um let me preface that's such a dumb it's such a it's such a pretentious word to use. I think here's some words I keep using that I wish that I would stop saying. Preface, articulate. Uh, that's all I can think of right now. But there are these words that I say that I guess work, but I'm like, they sound kind of dumb to say words like that. Big, these, what I would call a big word, bigger words that just are less colloquial and kind of, you know normal um so 
my feeling of the posts this week, let me say before I read them, is that they're pretty casual. They're pretty based in reality. I don't think I really got, there's none that, uh, it wasn't like, um, the, I look at the, I had a feeling that I wrote a great round this, this week. Um, and that's okay. That's really has to be part of this process or else like, I think process is another word I would add to that list of, um, perhaps and, uh, articulate, articulate perhaps and process three words. I would, um, try to say less because I don't like the way they sound or something. So, um, it's a lot of what this is, is me, like my judgment on my own creative creativity. That's the worst fucking thing ever. It's really is bad news. You really just, you really want to shut that down and make what you need to make and move on and make some more stuff. I, it doesn't seem the longer I've been doing this kind of stuff, the more I realize that that pressure we put on ourselves to, um, make something good is really just not helpful. It doesn't really get you anywhere. It's not to say that you shouldn't make things that are that are as good as you feel like they need to be, but to recognize the point where to recognize the point where your intuition is like, hey, that actually this is good. I'm happy with it. That was fun. I'm excited. Okay. You kind of got to at that moment, that's when you stop and then move on and do, and do it again. And whatever mistakes you made on the last thing, you apply those to the next instead of going back and just being so meticulous about trying to cor correct, self-correct those errors. And because it kills the, what was natural and what was, um, what was what was natural about what you did i think um stand up comedians have an it's an interesting practice because you tell the joke fresh again every set so it's not like with writing you keep deleting it and editing it until you get it perfect polished and then and then you never you don't touch it again hopefully but it seems with stand-up it's like they go out and they say the joke one night and then they can kind of feel out how um how it worked if it how if they liked how it felt to say it that way or how people reacted and then they get to adapt and they adapt, adapt, adapt until whatever, getting to a point where they're done with that joke and they move on to another one or whatever it is. So I guess when you're writing fiction, 
It's like, how do you operate that way? Editing enough so that it's good and adapting it enough so that it's good, but not editing it so much that it's um, lost its lost what was good about it. Um, and that's, to me, writing poem, daily poems and making YouTube videos, like making them quickly and just spending a lot of time on them, but not forcing myself to finish it and put it out and then do another one based on how that do another one, do another one and pushing forward. That's, that feels really good. So some thoughts there. Um, the other thing I need to do is I got to take the blue Nile kind of an ebook that I finished a couple weeks ago and I got to turn it into an audiobook or release it as an ebook or both or something or other. So I guess tomorrow, that's going to be tomorrow. I got to just like, I probably will keep procrastinating that, but I'm going to, I'm going to do that tomorrow. So that will be coming in some new form soon. Um, I really enjoyed that writing that story. Um, I look back on it now and I'm like, it's like, it feels really kind of like, like grimy and just kind of gross and not, um, and not good. And just kind of like, feels like a kind of a poisonous, um, entity, <laughs> like it's an evil book that says mean, awful things. And, um, you know, it's just like kind of dark. Um, and I, I just have, I'm holding on to that right now and whatever, I think I, I think that's okay. I think that was kind of the, the, the genre I wanted to write, but I, I guess here's what it is. Um, is that when I'm making YouTube videos, um, like it does something. And when I'm teaching, cause I teach, you know, how four times a week, these lectures, and there's a certain side of my personality that seems best suited to those, um, uh, to those things. And what those are, are it's just, there's certain positivity, certain positive side of your personality that seems to be the, the um, appropriate for those mediums to sit around and be like really brooding and like pessimistic and to kind of use those to, to be in that zone like it's um it just doesn't seem right when you look at the footage it's not because you want to pretend that you aren't that it's just that it just isn't what those things are about it's not appropriate for the for those things but with writing fiction that stuff comes out a lot if it's screenplays novels whatever 
um, that's the place for it sometimes. So I guess reconciling those two things, I'm a little confused right now as to what the best, what my point of view is with it all. Because in the Blue Nile, there's all this stuff about like, you know, he's a thief and he's like obsessed with prostitutes and he doesn't, he's just a complete shithead. Um, but it's kind of a, there's a lot of fun and kind of things to celebrate in, in that kind of zone. So I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel at odds with it. I'm going to deal with that tomorrow is what I've decided now. So all I can say is the Blue Nile ebook coming soon. All that said, let us move into the posts and see what happened this week. The first goes back to last Sunday, January 22nd, a post called The Truth Into Words. Dreams are disconnected. They accept the most violent contradictions without the least objection. They admit impossibilities. They disregard knowledge which carries great weight with us in the daytime. They reveal us as ethical and moral imbeciles. Anyone who when he was awake behaved in the sort of way that is shown in situations and dreams would be considered insane. Anyone who when he was awake talked in the sort of way the people talk in dreams or describe the sort of thing that happened in dreams would give the impression of being muddle-headed or feeble-minded. It seems to be no more than putting the truth into words when we express our very low opinion of mental activity. In dreams, and assert that in dreams the higher intellectual faculties in particular are suspended, or at all events gravely impaired. Sigmund Freud, 1899. So, that's a, that's a quote from Freud. It's an excerpt from his book that I've been reading, The Interpretation of Dreams. And I already talked about that same quote on the podcast last weekend. But for some reason, I wanted to, to keep it. I wanted to revisit it again. So I wrote it as the post last week. Um, and I'm glad that I did. I think that this, to me, it just feels important when it comes to worrying about being afraid of and even considering what, if who you are, and the and what your imagination comes up with passing judgment on on that and the re and the relevance of it i guess and the truth of it like it's something we do and it's just part of it's i'm not trying to say it's good or bad 
to pass judgment on your the things your imagination co comes up with but i want to say that it's the the point that it does it at all is i think is what's important that's the fact is that any person any reasonable person will pass judgment on the things that they imagine so when you're dealing with any kind of creative stuff and you use your imagination and think of something eventually a time is going to come when your analytical intelligent brain comes and starts to criticize and break down those kind of ideas and you got to stand up to it or you have to you got to deal with it in some way i don't know if it's possible to just you know think that um just everything that you imagine or everything you think of you think is amazing and doesn't need to be thought about at all right that seems dangerously narcissistic it seems that seems very um doesn't seem like a good reasonable way of being it seems psychotic right um or your sense of self is super inflated it's beyond just confidence maybe you know or maybe maybe i'm missing the point but to me the experience of um reconciling with your imagination or trying to do anything that involves creativity right one of the prices you pay one of the things one of the prices of entry in that is that you're going to pass judgment on yourself and be like maybe you're really excited about the idea at first but then later you're gonna be like that's a really dumb fucking idea you should delete that or change it or make it better or hide it or something or when you have the idea you're like that's really stupid don't do that and then later you actually realize that that was actually kind of a good idea so that's the territory um i think that's really it's important and and the more i kind of that's the one one of the big things that reading freud's book i think is um helping me kind of gain confidence in in a lot of different ways so 1899 that's another thing when i was like hey well this book was written in 1899 so about whatever 100 and 20 whatever years old so it's in in a way relatively new but in a way very very old <laughs> um to try to when you think about what the world might have felt like in certain ways and in, in, in 1900 um pre-world war anything you know it's uh I think that's really amazing. 
I don't know. I find, I think that's really exciting in a way to think of, you know, growing up and the world wars seem like kind of in a way, like the beginning of time in a beginning of like the world as we know it now, the modern era. Um, and to think of this, the kind of wildness, I guess, and the kind of like, the kind of chaoticness of things that feel really imaginative and really just like so new and crazy, you know, when you imagine something or see like a, a cartoon that's just like so out there or like some art house movie that's just like feels so new because it's imaginative because it doesn't because it's abstract you know the to to think that to look at how freud was writing about those kind of things these super abstract nonsensical kind of this craziness the crazy side of us that way and trying to make sense out of it trying to make turn dreams into fucking science it that's to me is really really amazing so um yeah really has my attention it's very fun to read this guy a bit every day um and also because it's so like his style of writing is really coherent it's very understandable and and feels very like it's not as complicated as i as it felt like it once was the first time i tried to read it maybe in my 20s or something okay really it's not that bad i think I, i'm picking up most everything he's saying but it's one of those books where it feels like so beyond um you know ordinary credentials so and it's he's in a way he's writing fiction because he's like talking about dreams but he's also it feels more like a fiction writer. He almost feels like a like a Kurt Vonnegut kind of worlds where it's like very grounded in that way. And you feel like you really know him. And you're kind of it's very kind of conversational and very like there's a like low it's kind of low key or something. And uh, it's not pretentious, is I think is what I'm trying to say. It's not like needing you to have a super high intellect or like needing you to meet him at a certain level. It's like, it just feels really accessible. Um, and he's kind of just saying whatever the fuck he wants. Like there's so many, This maybe this is a better example of what I'm trying to say is like, there's so many footnotes in it that he like amends through the years he's like there's this whole part where he's like in like this must be like the however many printings down the line maybe this is like the sixth edition footnote where he's like 
you know, about a hundred pages in and he's like, well, no one like at this time, like people, no one paid attention to this book for X amount of years. And I'm writing this maybe eight years after it was published and people are finally catching on to the fact that this isn't bullshit. And I told them it wasn't bullshit, but they didn't believe me. And now they're seeing that it's true. So fuck them <laughs> is basically like what's in this, this edition of the book. So the fact that he has, he like writes in that way on top of everything, um, is really fun to me. It just, I think it's great. So let's go to the next post, something called one of the best times of all time. I'm happy to sit here at my computer wearing sweatpants and drinking a cup of water. And now I'm going to think of something to write. My wife is five months pregnant and she is making a cup of tea. Our cat is running up and down the hall. In a few months, it will all change. And in all likelihood, I will remember how things are now as one of the best times of all time. Um, it's a, it's a sentimental post. It's, it's good. It's good. And it's true. I think I remember sitting at my computer and really just being happy to sit at my computer. I think I kind of, I don't know how many kind of posts I have about that at this point where I'm just like, I'm very happy to be sitting here being able to have time to write. And, uh, and it's very true. I can't express enough. Like when things are under control and you got like an hour to write or something, um, it's very nice. It's a very nice life. And, uh, I didn't, I truly, I was like, I don't have any, I don't feel like saying anything else. I really don't want to invent any new shit, make up any stories. I'm, I actually feel satisfied. And that feels really rare to just like really know that. But I don't really like admitting that to myself because then it's like, wait, did the well run dry? Like, Oh my God, what if that's it? What if there's no more ideas? I can't, I can't admit that, that, that I'm, that I'm happy, you know, that I'm good because then what? It seems like if that was the case, then I, I just panic. I panic when I, when things are feel okay. Cause it's like, well, what am I missing? What do I got to do next? So that's good. I kind of want to like write that on a post-it note. Let me do that. Where's my post-it notes? Here's one. Okay. Let's write down. Uh, how do I express that? Panic. Writing the word panic. When. Um, things are okay. Panic. When things are okay i don't want to write 
don't panic when things are okay because that's not the uh like that's kind of dumb i don't it's like panic away i don't care it's just like I'm trying to i'm just trying to write this little note of like i just want to remember that for a sec because it feels like there's i could pull the it would be good to pull that rug out from underneath myself anyway i likely will never turn return back to that post it note again um and i'll say you know in the world of um um having a kid i'm more and more excited about it as time um as time moves forward here he's playing the I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole again with it but um my cat is meowing on either end of the door and uh when i listened back last week it doesn't really come on the mic very loud at all which is good i've been using these kind of voice isolation you know buttons on the uh, on the computer here and uh they work well i know there might be a little bit of there's kind of some artifacts in my voice but it's uh better for now we're gonna do some renovations to the house probably not for another year or so but um what i'm trying to build is a soundproof room for myself a tiny in office smaller than the one i have now it'll probably be like i mean who knows what it'll get away with but like i don't know like maybe a six by six square that's just totally soundproof and i'll be able to write in there record this in there shoot my videos in there that's really all i need is a fucking shed the smallest square i just need a chair and a table and a, a outlet for electricity and then i want to soundproof it as best as i can and i feel like <laughs> Um, that will be the greatest thing ever um, because I'm just going to need that. You know, I'm going to be stay at home dad. And um, you know, to have to find time to write with everything is like we have a kid and as she grows up and etc cetera, etc cetera. just to have that if i can just take an hour here or there to to really have space it'll my life will be perfect <laughs> there's a great moment of like hey if only i have this my life will be perfect it's like fucking idiot it's if you ever say something like that or think something like that like just know you're wrong it's never that case but I would uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna build that and uh and I'm excited for it. Let me put it that way. And then I'll find some new problems, don't you worry. Anyway, what I was trying to say was that um you know, we were walking across the by the park and all the kids are 
out um, tobogganing. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, damn, I'm going to take our daughter tobogganing. And you're just kind of filled with emotion, you know, of like that. I'm really excited for that. And it feels really good. We walked by um, a fish and chips restaurant that I really enjoy that I went to once and I wrote a post about it and I talked about it on the show. It was before we went on our honeymoon to Israel. Uh, and I went and, and I ate at the, I had fish and chips and went to the library. Um, and I made a big deal of it on the show. And uh, I thought of, when I walked by there again, I, I thought of bringing my daughter there one day. And I just felt so excited and happy um, to think of going there and just, you know, sharing fish and chips whatever getting one of the kids meal you know you get it but it's like okay that's uh it's a nice thought you know i do quite appreciate it so let me let me just reverse back for a sec because a lot of like the thriller genre the action genre the horror genre you know, a lot of those classics, the classic movies are written by people who very likely have kids and family and something they want to protect, right? I don't have any definitive example. I'm just pulling this out of the sky and I, and I don't think it's crazy. Um, they need to write. It's like, in that case, why write something where the kid gets taken hostage or you know the kid dies or the you know some disaster strikes and dot 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 a monster comes and tries to eat the family or the dad has to use his retired army skills to get the daughter back or um the daughter gets eaten by got killed by a military guy and then he's uh because everyone's turning into zombies and whatever, whatever, whatever. All these different versions of of these tropes, probably written by people who haven't gone through that, but they've they're 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 scared of going through it, and so it gets our attention. And we're not actually doing that. We're living through our fantasies. It's a, it becomes a fantasy of like to t try to cope with all of that, um, the worry, the fear many different different versions of it but when i was talking about the blue nile and how i felt like it was kind of this kind of awful story in a way and i was like criticizing myself and then wanted to hold it back it's like gotta have the the ability to see like whatever it's expressing is not trying to bring like slime into the world it's actually dealing with that those that kind of shit in order to process it in certain ways that maybe are a bit beyond our a bit beyond logic so allow the imagination to be the imagination and to do what it does best
So really it's a confidence, right? Like building confidence and not questioning yourself so much. Okay, we got one called Costco hot dog. My mother-in-law brought me a hot dog from Costco today. It is the best item. It's the best snack. It is the best meal. It is the best thing. It comes with a free drink. It is $1.50. It is the reward for any suffering you have endured in your entire life. It is the only time anyone is convinced that money is worth making. Please, listen to what I'm about to tell you. When you're at Costco, buy yourself a hot dog or buy one for a friend or anyone. Do not live a shitty life. Learn the value of a dollar. You will become better. You will return to who you are. You will return to who you have always been. Um, Costco hot dog. That's a good one. Um, that post, I would maybe like if I had to like have one post to like, if I can only pick one, I had to kill all the other ones. This one might be, might be up there. It's really good. I think it's really funny and true and uh, I guess I read it and I'm like, who else would write this? What, who else do I know that would put these, commit these words to paper? Um, I can't deny that this is, you know, who I am this Costco hot dog business and it's so dumb. It's so fucking stupid, obviously, but, um, it's, it's true. It's true. I don't know if I'm hot dog from Costco today. It's the best item, best night, best meal, best thing. It's hard to what, what I'm always learning better is how to be comfortable writing things that are positive. And this is very, very, it's, here's what it is. It's, it is positive, but there's a lot of negative underlying in it as it moves forward. And there's a lot of, you know, um, comes with a free drink is $1.50. It is, here it is. It is the reward for any suffering you've endured in your entire life. To me, that's really like, it's really funny. It's the only time anyone's convinced that money is worth making. It's true. It's true. When you go and eat really expensive food, which I really don't do often at all, it's, um, I don't know if you're like, wow, I'm so glad I spent, you say, okay, that was worth it, I guess. But it's not like you're like, wow, I'm glad I work. I'm glad I make the money so I can 
It's it's all a fucking joke. When you start being like, I just spent $300 on a single piece of sushi. And okay, it was the greatest piece of sushi ever. But, you know, it all turns into chaos. But the, but the, when the economy makes super sense, and it's too good to be true in this case, but these dollar hot dogs, dollar fifty hot dogs at Costco, it's like no matter how much you're fucking making or how little you're making, like this is just baseline. It's so good for everyone. It's, it's the only thing that makes sense. I might be outing myself as like some kind of, I don't know if I could call that a socialist idea because they're probably losing money on this dollar is not worth anything. Anyway, we don't have to get into the fucking geopolitics of Costco hot dogs, but it is kind of, I guess, what this is. The privilege of being a North American and trying to reconcile that in your own little microcosm. Do not live a shitty life. Learn the value of a dollar. <laughs> you will become better. You will return to who you are. You will return to who you have always been. Hell yeah. Costco hot dog. It's great. It's good stuff. Okay. A food, incoming food theme here. Let's see. We got the can of tuna in the snow. All right. This feels like a classic. This is like an old style, old classic style earwig post. The blender is somewhere. The mud is beneath the cloud. It was snowing, and now it is not snowing. At the moment, there is no reason to wonder about anything. At the moment, there is celery growing somewhere. At this moment, there is a computer chip inside of a piece of celery. And someone will eat it accidentally. They will know what it is like to eat a computer chip. And it will be the day that they ate a microchip. <laughs> they will talk about it forever. They will talk about how they ate a microchip that one day. They will stare at the wall and they will not think of the insulation in it. They will think of the empty can of tuna that they saw in the snow. Even after they are dead, they will still remember it. It will be printed. <laughs> it will be printed off an inkjet printer. And they will never forget the can of tuna in the snow. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, that made no fucking sense. But it's sometimes it takes work to make no sense and to to continue. And that's what I love a lot of the time. This makes me happy. And that's the thing. It's like to realize like, okay, well, what if I like... What if I truly, truly enjoy in my life? What if what I love to do is 
eat Costco hot dogs and write fucking nonsense. You know? And then read it on a podcast and put it on the internet. Like, what if that, those are the things that make me the happiest? Because they are in a lot of ways. And I'm like trying to just, I need to like justify like, okay, but what's the writing about? Who is it helping? What, it's not, it's really dumb. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut the fuck up. Eat your fucking lunch and write what you want. And eventually that was what you did. And if you don't figure out how to be happy about that, then you're a fucking asshole and an idiot. Let me read this again. The blender is somewhere. The mud is beneath a cloud. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I think that those four lines are very funny. The blender is somewhere. The mud is beneath a cloud. Beautiful. It was snowing, and now it is not snowing. At the moment, there's no reason to wonder about anything. At the moment, there's celery growing somewhere. At this moment, I should say at the moment. At the moment, at the moment, there is a computer chip inside of a piece of celery. And someone will eat it accidentally. That's that crunch. They will know what it is like to eat a computer chip. And it will be the day they ate a microchip. They will talk about it forever. They will talk about how they ate a microchip that one day. They will stare at the wall and they will not think of the insulation in it. They will think of the empty can of tuna that they saw in the snow. Even after they are dead, they will still remember it. It will be printed off an inkjet paper, and they will never forget the can of tuna in the snow. I think what I wanted, what I forgot to write while I was writing this, they will think of the empty can of tuna that they saw in the snow. Even after they are dead, they will still remember it. It will be printed off an inkjet paper, and then I was going to write that um that that printed piece of paper was going to go into their coffin so that they will never forget the can of tuna in the snow i mean that's uh it's a great post as well i'm happy with it it made me laugh like twice while reading it and i don't really have a good explanation for it and that's good. I think that those kind of, it's a puzzle that, to even say it's a puzzle is not even accurate because that would mean that there is an answer to what it means. And I think it's, um, there isn't one. I think it elicits a feeling, the feelings that it elicits are simply fun and ridiculousness and um, 
fun, ridiculousness, and nonsense. And that's and that's okay. That's like it's enough. Next up, the coleslaw petition. The petition was written. It was between a guy and himself. The petition said that he was a motherfucker. He felt that word described him better than any other. When he thought of himself, he liked thinking that he was a motherfucker. I'm no longer thinking about that guy. I am now thinking about coleslaw in a plastic cup from the deli. I would like to have a couple bites of that. Just the cheap kind from any deli. I would eat it in the grocery store parking lot in the snow. People would say that I was a motherfucker, but I would give them the middle finger. And I would tell them that I didn't sign any petition. And I would tell the rest of the coal and I would toss the rest of the coleslaw at their windshield or door. And then there would be coleslaw frozen in the snow um okay hold on because when i wrote that i didn't remember that i wrote about the tuna fucking can in the snow from the day before so it's funny that this coleslaw petition the one i just read is basically just a shitty copy of can't tune in the snow. So I'm up on my high horse about the tuna one, saying that it's so great and blah, blah, blah. This coleslaw one, I'm like, eh, not as into it. it. Doesn't, it just feels like it doesn't beat the last one. I'm just looking at it here, trying to... The petition was written, it was between a guy and himself. The petition said he was a motherfucker. He thought that would describe him better than any other. When he thought of himself, he liked thinking that he was a motherfucker. I'm no longer thinking about that guy. I'm now thinking about a coleslaw and a plastic cup from the deli. I'd like to have a couple bites of that just to keep cheap kind from any deli. How do you even go strip parking on the snow? People would say that I was a motherfucker, but I would give them the finger and I would tell them anytime petition. Close to frozen snow. I mean, it doesn't, it's missing, it's missing something. More conflict or more heart or more, more something. It feels like a kind of a watered down post. So I'm not in love with it. All right, let's read the final post of the week it's called the great idiocy it takes a lot of work to thoroughly not give a shit it is difficult not to give a fuck i give a lot of shits and fucks not from lack of trying i'm still working on it I'm hoping to become as confident as possible without losing the great idiocy. I would like to be confident enough to be as naive as a complete dumbass. 
and not give a shit or a fuck, and to look at things as I do, to look at things blissfully, in a way that is so stupid that there is nothing left aside from what it is. Yeah, that actually seems like a good summary of of this group of poems of this episode. It takes a lot of work to thoroughly not give a shit. It is difficult not to give a fuck. I give a lot of shits and fucks. Not from lack of trying. I am still working on it. I'm hoping to become as confident as possible without losing the great idiocy. And that's, I think, between the original Freud quote I wrote and all, and kind of working through the week, that's the summary. I'm hoping to become as confident as possible without losing the great idiocy. I would like to be confident enough to be as naive as a complete dumbass and not to give a shit or a fuck. And to look at things as I do, to look at things blissfully, in a way that is so stupid that there is nothing. In a way that is so stupid that there is nothing left aside from what it is. And that was the, I think when I, the can of tuna in the snow or whatever the fuck, Costco hot dog world. I was kind of really enjoying those. That's what I'm talking, this is what I'm talking about. To be confident, to not give a fuck, to look at things blissfully, without judgment, to see them for what they are. And uh, that works. So, there we have it. Six posts. Um, going to the end of January. So next week. Be all the way into February. Um, I'm... I know this isn't news, but I suppose I'm just, for my own sake, <laughs> thinking, okay, next week is February. What does that mean? Not a hell of a lot. It means that the I'm going to make an ebook of this month's post um, that I'll send out through the newsletter. So um, go to the website to sign up for that newsletter www.joshuahillelbarski.com j-o-s-h-u-a-h-i-l-l-e-l-b-a-r-s-k-y.com sign up to the newsletter and I'll send you these ebooks and they're actually pretty cool and I'll kind of give you a, a once a month email that just kind of summarizes all the things that um, that I was working on and um if you have any friends who, you know, it's their birthday, it's their anniversary, it's um, their, you want to buy them a, say, special thanks for something kind they did for you, then go onto the website and you can sign them up to the newsletter. 
and um, hopefully they won't hit unsubscribe and be like, what the fuck is this spam? I didn't ask for this. Who put me onto this mailing list? What, this is supposed to be a uh, a gift? You call this a gift? Well, yeah, I do. Um, I wanted to write something down. I forget. Fuck. Whatever. It'll come back to me. It was just some productivity thing for later. Like, oh, I should do this or that. Doesn't matter. Now, let me read another excerpt from Freud. The Interpretation of Dreams. This is an excerpt that I was really happy to find. So, let's see. The adoption, and then there's a footnote. So it says, the this new paragraph, the adoption footnote says, this paragraph was added in 1909 and the first sentence of the next paragraph modified accordingly. It's kind of what I was saying. There's all these like weird, he like never stopped editing this thing. Um, and that makes me f feel less crazy about my own editing um, process, especially because of um, how um, how do I say this? Um, Suddenly it got darker in the room. <laughs> this is my distraction. Uh, let me get some. I can't even see the fucking page. There we go. Bit of light. The. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I think I was going on about like word modern word processors and the delete key and their ability to edit like over and over and over again but seeing how freud used all these footnotes in 1900 kind of like uh maybe i was giving too much kind of credit to the um to that you know to the uh the word processor and thinking that the digital world actually had any influence on you know what we do so anyway, the adoption, the adoption of the required attitude of mind towards ideas that seem to emerge of their own free will and the abandonment of critical function that is normally in operation against them seems to be hard of achievement for some people. I'm going to read that again. I think it's clear, but I just like, I just want to read it again to really make sure it's coming across the adoption of the required attitude of mind towards ideas that seem to emerge of their own free will and their and the abandonment of the critical function that is normally in operation against them seem to be hard of achievement for some people the involuntary thoughts are liable to release a most violent resistance 
which seems to prevent their emergence. This is my whole business of writing these poems. You can see why this is fucking awesome to me. If we may trust the great poet and philosopher Frederick Schiller, however, poetic creation must demand an exactly similar attitude. In a passage in his correspondence with Corner, we have to thank Otto Rank for unearthing it. Schiller, writing on December 1st, 1788, replies to his friend's complaint of insufficient productivity. This is like fucking crack to me. So, he says, so Freud's quoting this conversation from these guys Schiller and Corner in 1788 that uh, if I'm reading this right, Otto Rank, the artist, found this fucking um, correspondence. So, and they're talking about not doing enough work and they're fucking writing poems. The ground for your complaints seems to me to lie in the constraint imposed by your reason upon your imagination. I will make my idea more concrete by a simile. It seems a bad thing and detrimental to the creative work of the mind if reason makes too close an examination of the ideas as they come pouring in. At the very gateway, as it were, Looked at in isolation, a thought may seem very trivial or very fantastic, but it may be made important by another thought that comes after it, and in conjunction with other thoughts that may seem equally absurd, it may turn out to form a most effective link. So the sequence of ideas, or the ideas that the order in which you have them or put them or express them, whatever, is very important. Even if by themselves, they seem like utter bullshit. Reason cannot form any opinion upon all this unless it retains the thought long enough to look at it in connection with the others. On the other hand, where there is a creative mind, reason, so it seems to me, relaxes its watch upon the gates, and the ideas rush in pell-mell, and only then does it look them through and examine them in mass. So he's talking about the reasonable mind coming in and fucking up all of your creative ideas, all of your imagination. You, critics, or what else you may call yourselves, are ashamed or frightened of the momentary and transient extravagances which are to be found in all truly creative minds, and whose longer or shorter duration distinguishes the thinking artist from the dreamer. You complain of your unfruitfulness because you reject too soon and discriminate too severely. feel like I don't have to say more about that because I've been talking about it for over an hour now.
Nevertheless, so that's the end of the quote. Now Freud's going to tell us a paragraph. Nevertheless, what Schiller describes as a relaxation of the watch upon the gates of reason, the adoption of an attitude of uncritical self-observation is by no means difficult. Most of my patients achieve it after their first instructions. I myself can do so very completely by the help of writing down my ideas as they occur to me. The amount of physical energy by which it is possible to reduce critical activity and increase the intensity of self-observation varies considerably according to the subject on which one is trying to fix one attention. So it goes on and eventually leads into him explaining um, what his method is for psychoanalysis as he kind of invents it as we know it whatever that's something someone else can speak to but um i've really been enjoying reading that kind of thing um i feel like it's helping me a lot so i don't believe I have anything else to say except this thank you for listening and i enjoyed that episode quite a bit we'll see you again next week thank you